You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey there, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Spits and Suds. So glad you can join us. I'm Gavin Spittle of 105.3 The Fan. Thank you so much for supporting this local DFW hockey program, which has become the top hockey podcast in Dallas-Fort Worth, and that's thanks to you. We have a great show today, and joining me is EP Ringside, Shap Shots, D Magazines, the name of his book, Great Holiday Present, is We Win Here. And this is what you get on Spits and Suds. Currently in Denver, Sean Shapiro getting ready to cover Avs Ducks tonight. Had a chance to go to University of Denver. He never stops. How are you, my friend? I'm I'm doing pretty good. And it's funny, I was uh this morning, I know uh for, for Stars fans, the Avalanche are a hated rival, understandably so. But it was funny. Um I was in the after morning skate today in Colorado. I ran into uh, I was talking with uh uh, Freddie Olofsson mm-hmm. and uh, Andrew, Andrew Cogliano and Yoel Kiviranta. Yeah. So there's a, a distinct former uh, stars, uh, former stars feels the avalanche. That doesn't even include Riley Tufty, who's currently in the AHL, but yeah. has kind of played a little bit for that. So yeah, I'm, I'm here in, I'm, I'm here in Denver going to, uh, I've got something, uh, real interesting story coming up this week. They're playing the ducks tonight, but the, on the, on the ducks front on Leo Carlson, who was the, uh, who was the number two pick in mm-hmm. the draft last spring and kind of how the, uh, how the ducks have decided to like kind of load manage him this year from the start. So he can build up to a more successful NHL career. Um, so that's coming up this week, but timing worked wonderfully. I was able to sit, sit down, enjoy, uh, Caught up with a good friend who lives in Denver and watched Stars Lightning last night, and so I'm I'm all, I'm, all, I'm all ready for our show here. Nice. And how is University of Denver? That's such a great a, hockey program. Oh, I, I love that building. That building is one of those barns where it's like, um, if you if you're looking for a if you're a Stars fan and you're looking for kind of a a nice one two Stars road trip, try to find a year where Stars play like one of the Thursday games at the at Colorado, and there's a Denver game on Friday or Saturday because, mm-hmm. um, beautiful arena. It's got great character. They've won nine national titles there. Um, it's it's kind of one of the cool spots where it's without college, without with with Denver not having um the college football team, like hockey is the show, like hockey is the big thing. And it's, it's kind of cool to see a program where it's built up that way and some great players. So if if you're ever, whether you're you're combining with a stars road trip, which I would highly suggest, or you're just, you have a trip to Denver in general. um, That's a, that's a fun place to watch college hockey. Yeah. I would add that if you're going to see stars Bruins, which would be a good take, you have your choice of Harvard, BC, Boston college, Boston university, Northeastern, uh, Merrimax mm-hmm. within distance, so is yeah. UMass Lowell as far as catching some high-level Division One hockey East. 
Um, you know, hockey, that's that's where, you know, people like Kale McCarr came out of. Um, the goalie in Vancouver um, doing great uh, things that, this yeah. year. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, so, yeah I, I think it's great that uh, you're doing that. Okay, so you had a chance to watch the game, as did I last night. Wanted to uh, get your... Uh, get your thoughts. I did do a quick pod last night, and one of the things I did talk about was defense. Uh, I said that Miro Heshkinen had a tough night, and um, you know it it showed on the stat board. But I wanted to get your overall thoughts. There there was a very interesting period, and I don't want to say like one point changes a game, but you look the stars go down two to nothing at the end of the first. But that easily could have changed. They were in the Tampa zone from 523 left to 402. A minute 21 cycling with line changes in the Tampa zone. High quality chances on Vasilevsky. He came up huge. But I thought that was one of the uh, the best uh, zone times the Stars have had all year. They looked unbelievable. Yeah, and the Stars, it's even more notable with the Stars because they're not a zone possession team. They're a rush offense. They don't really cycle you. They don't beat you up on the cycle. So um, there's definitely something to that that stands out even more. Um, For me, this game was, it's kind of one of those funny things where they beat Tampa 8-1 to the other day and Vasilevsky gets yanked. Mm -hmm. And... Did you really expect anything other than a scintillating performance than Andre Vasilevsky right. in a re- re- in a revenge game? Yes. Like he was gr- like like to me that was the biggest difference. In the- there was there's two two things about that game to me. Um, a Andre Vasilevsky was embarrassed. He hates getting pulled. Um, having I know for I've talked to people both in that organization and people who have used to work with him. There are people. Vasilevsky is a guy who even when he's the game is done and out, he doesn't want the yank. He wants to finish the game. It's why if you take a look through his career, he's very rarely been pulled, even in bad games. So for him to get pulled, it's an embarrassing thing for him. There was no way he wasn't beating Dallas in this game. So that's that's point number one. Point number two, you have all that in, and this was a classic example of the wrong mistake at the wrong time can end a game. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to blame the game on a decision by Ty Delandria, but you can't shoot that puck, right? The that, yes. is, that is a weak wrist shot into the shins of Luke Lindenning that sends him on a breakaway the other way for the goal that made it three nothing, and that effectively ended the game. Yep. So it's 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 kind of one of those stretches where and the other thing, and I want to mention this is not on the hockey game. This is on the overall reaction I saw to the game. This was a game to me where I feel like there's too much overreaction based off this game. It it felt like a classic example of every game, every victory is an outlier and every loss is a reason to panic. The stars beat the lightning eight to one on Saturday. They thrashed them. They lost four, nothing. They beat them eight to five aggregate over the last two games. If you want to look at it that way. And you can talk about flaws with the stars and what they need to work on and everything like that. But, they lost 4 nothing on the road to a team that's gone to three of the last four Stanley Cup finals, is incredibly prideful, and was had, was angry coming back from an 8-1 loss. I, I have a hard time finding much fault in the loss last night. And on top of that, you had the rare off night for Miro Heishkinen. 
So it's it's just one of those games where it's I'm 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 here to hit the opposite of the panic button for people on this one where it's they lost four nothing to Tampa. Yeah, this is the one where you just you kind of flush it and move on and it's okay. Yeah. That that's it's it's as, as much as as much as you might not like that and you want to hear people calling for oh this is the reason we make a trade or whatever like last night was not the evidence nor the reason to make any changes to this team. If you want to look at whole body work on something, fine. But it's not like you're like, oh man, this 4 nothing lost to the Lightning exposed things. No, it showed the best goalie in the world who is working his way back from back surgery got pissed off and played like he's the best goalie in the world. Yep. And that's what happened. I will so. also add it was Victor Hedman's 1,000th game. So yeah, the barn I mean, was Tampa's a, not Tampa's not losing that game. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and I mentioned that in last the relationship yeah. Victor Hedman has with not just the organization but the community, um, massive. And yeah, they weren't they weren't going to let uh, the big defenseman down. And mm-hmm. you know, so you had a rocking barn, and they also had that meeting on Sunday, which I think they're going to come out with some extra legs. You know, and now's the time. Cooper's been stressing it. I did want to point out two things I pointed out, Sean. I don't know if you saw him on Saturday because the Vasilevsky poll was interesting, and we don't know the facts, but uh, a couple of things. Uh, And I think this is why John Cooper, I think, is one of the top coaches in the NHL. He's proven it, is, you know, a lot of people thought, like, oh, he's really giving it to his bench. I honestly think he was telling his team, we're down three nothing, but this team, because he pointed in the direction, you know, teams have come back against this Dallas team. I really felt he was trying to rile them up, and they did play better after that and got some quality chances. It didn't last long, but I felt as though towards the end of that first period, they were putting some uh, stuff together. The other thing is, I noticed Kucherov. I believe it was Kucherov scooted over. Uh, to Vasilevsky and talk to him. And I wondered if Cooper had sent Kucherov over to say, you know, do you, how are you feeling? Do you want to be pulled? Because Vasilevsky looked toward the bench and just shook his head, and that was it. And then he was pulled after the period. And he did make some nice saves. Granted, they were down 6-1 at that point. But, um, you know, I think he just wanted to get his uh, work in. He looked uh, terrific last night. And you're right. I don't know how... You would until he completely falls apart. There is absolutely no reason that you would bet against one of the all-time great goalies. Oh yeah, I mean he's he's a. You look at you talk about current Hall of Famers playing in the NHL right now, and Andre Vasilevsky is one of them. Yep, and he is. So it's, I mean it's you're the stars. You move on and flush it. You played an angry team. You lose it. You use it as a lesson for what happens when you play against teams that are a bit pissed off, and you move on. That's yeah. kind of how I look at it right now. There's so, other things we can talk about, but yeah, like yeah. that, the losing that that game is not the referendum for panic. Right, right. So. I do want to talk about Miro because, mm-hmm. and, and you know, please talk to our audience and, and, and me as well, Sean, because that's what I love doing about the podcast. You know, we disagree on things, and and, and that's okay. It's a, it's a it's a healthy discussion. The thing I want to see more of Miro, and he did take some shots from point, is that, you know, utilizing that speed as far as getting deep in the zone, does he have that ability like like a Hughes, like a Kale McCarr? Because I personally don't see it enough, and I would love to see him flash more of those skills. And someone brought it up on Twitter, and I wanted to get your reaction. 
Is it because he's trying to be more defensive-minded? I think part of it, too, is um, with with Hughes and Makar, um, there's an element to both of them have come into the league with the ability to not have a safety net's the wrong word, but both of them have been partnered with guys who kind of let them jump in and go and there was less of a defensive requirement. And Miro's always been, that's kind of always been his, uh, his role was, was always going to be the play driver and the defensive person on, 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 on the line. And so I'd li- personally, I agree with you. I'd like to see him jump into the play a little bit more and create a little bit more with his skating and everything like that. I also think there is a bit of a, tendency with 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 Miro to hold back on that because of the the fact he has to be the one he's not playing with he's typically not playing with another great skating defenseman he's got to kind of cover up for it so um it's kind of a it's it's one of those things where if you either had the thing the stars need and this we saw this last night but it's not it's not because of last night but in general the thing the stars need is they needed a a stronger Colin Miller, honestly. Like Colin Miller, you remember last year, Colin Miller was with the Stars last year and first 50, 60 games played pretty well, but then essentially kind of as the games got tougher, he got bullied about and it became clear that they needed someone a little bit stronger uh, on that first defensive pairing. And eventually Colin Miller got traded to the Devils. But Colin Miller skated well. Colin Miller allowed Miro to jump into the play. Colin Miller allowed for all of that to happen. The stars basically need that. They need someone who can play with Miro, who a little bit stronger, has a little bit of what Suter has, but still has the mobility to give a little bit more of the free reign to, to Heishkinen and and to let him also play on his natural side as well. That's what the stars need. Now, it's not easy to get that. That's very difficult. I mean, you can throw names out there, but once again, that's hard to get in season. But that's what the stars need, and and I think right now we're seeing a little bit over the overcompensation by by Heishkinen to not overly put his partner in a spot to f- struggle and fail, and uh, that's why we don't. That's why there's not as much of a springboard for him to do that. He's never going to be Hughes. He's never going to be Makar. That's not who he is naturally. That's never going to be the the route one always happens, but. It could happen more if with with a better a better partner that the stars. Frankly, honestly, I thought they had it, but based off how I thought they I thought they had the skill set and the base with Nils Lundqvist to be that person. And obviously, the stars coaches disagree with me. So, what about Thomas Harley? I really like Harley. I mean, Harley could be that guy, but I I really like Harley on his own pair. Okay, I really like. I think we've seen that. I think Harley is a guy who thrives off being the guy in air quotes, italics, yeah. whatever terminology you want to use. Um, I don't mind him, but I, I really, you, I, a right-handed defenseman that can skate. I, that's the person I want with, 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 with Hishkinen. And I like Harley. I like Harley Hishkinen right now. And in the long room as kind of your one, two on there. I don't mind them together situationally in certain spots. And I think the stars should do that a little bit more, but, uh, I, I don't think the solution is in-house 
Right. I don't think yeah. the solution is in-house right now for this season. Okay. Okay. And for the second straight game, we saw healthy scratches of Evgeny yep. Dadonov as well as Nils Lundqvist. Um, which one do you want to take first? I Personally, I think Dadonov's back in the lineup on uh, tomorrow night yeah. against uh, Florida. I, 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 think, I, think, I think Dadonov's a little bit simpler. Dadonov, um, before the Tampa game, the first one, before the 8-1 win, DeBoer kind of talked about just managing things, and this is uh, – this is a marathon, not, marathon, not a sprint for the stars. And Dodonov's a little bit of an older player. And I've brought up on this podcast before; he's never played 82 games in a season. So actually, I, I don't mind the Dodonov one. Um, I probably would have found a way to get him in last night, but I don't mind it. Um, and also, it's pretty clear to me that Title Andrew is going to be scratched on. Title Andrew is going to be scratched tomorrow night. You don't get to make the mistake he made on the third goal, and kind of. He got, he got replaced higher in the lineup by Sam Steele as the game went along. Like, Delandry yeah. is going to be coming out of the lineup. Um, the Lundquist one is the bigger kind of discussion here, right, Gavin? Because it's not like... Because of the six defensemen, they're not scratching Ryan Suda. They're not scratching Miro Heishkin, and obviously they're not scratching Thomas Harley. They're not scratching Yanni Hockenpah. They're not scratching Essel Lindell. Right. The only defenseman that is "quote unquote" scratchable is is Joel Hanley, and Joel Hanley was actually fine last night. Yeah. Like Joel Han, like like bringing Nils Lundqvist in for Joel Hanley doesn't really change much of the issues that happened last night. Um, it's it's just concerning because I I don't know if Lundqvist will come back into the lineup or not, but we're kind of reaching that 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 point of what are we doing here? I mean, yeah. I I know Pete DeBoer doesn't really trust him, and he's fallen down and in, in in the order and everything like that. But it's this is a guy that you traded a first round pick for, right? And if we've reached this spot already at game, what is it, twenty three, twenty four? Um, it's pretty right or wrong, it's pretty damning on what's happening long-term here with Lundqvist because I don't know how he ever come. I don't, I don't, I don't see a path forward for him with Pete DeBoer and Pete DeBoer's winning games. It's not like Pete DeBoer is like, it's, it's not like we got a coach on the hot seat we're talking about. So, um, I'm the Lundqvist situation is, is concerning to me. And I, I don't know what the right answer is because, um, I don't know what the right realistic answer is. Yeah. I know someone listening at this right now is yelling, scratch suitor, scratch suitor. I know someone's doing that right now and everything. Like, but like the realistic answer dealing with the human dichotomy and the the elements with this team and how Pete DeBoer runs things. Like, I don't <laughs> I, I I don't see a good path forward for Nils Lundquist. And I don't it's it's starting to feel how it's it's going dangerously down the Julius the Julius Honka route, Very isn't it? Similar. Like it's it's, yeah. it's getting scary that way right yeah, now. Yeah, absolutely. Especially when you look at the body types and, and and all that. And I did want to hit on you know the talk was, well, the NHL is not a developmental league. You're supposed to be ready, but at the same time, then it does go back to well, you spent a high draft pick on a guy that technically was in the minors so, and with I, the Rangers. Okay, I want to I want to say something on yeah. that actually. That's and th- and this is just fresh in my mind because this morning I was over at Ducks practice and I was um, 
I mentioned on the top of the show that I'm working on something on Leo Carlson right now. It's not a development league. I know that. But right now, what the Anaheim Ducks are doing with Leo Carlson is proof that you can find ways to make it work. Leo Carlson, first round pick, teenager, obviously a little bit younger. Not a good team. They have more space to do this. But it's a perfect example of how a team can be forward thinking. Leo Carlson has never played, is building up in his career. And early on, okay, let's have him play two games a week. Eventually, they're going to ramp him up to play three games a week. They're working on it that way. And they're getting him in. He's getting comfortable. And the games he's playing, he's looking good and building on things. I'm not saying the Stars needed to do the exact same thing with Nils Lundqvist. But to me, it's proof that you can find space for that within the course of an 82-game season. So I, and I, and it just, the stars, this is the space where sometimes with this organization, you just wish that sometimes there was someone with a little bit more patience, not patience. Patience is the wrong word. Patience. It's more of like, you need some, a little bit more of the wild card in management, right? Like I think in Anaheim, they've got Pat Verbeek and Greg Cronin who are, both willing to go outside traditional thinking. Jim Nill is a very traditional thinker on things. Um, I think it's one of those where this is the space where you had another voice in power that had a little bit of that wild card element that was willing to be like, okay, hey, we see Nils isn't working well. Um, because I, I truly, the, the read I get on it, and this is just my hunch, and I want to be clear, I want to be, 2,000% clear on this before anyone goes and claims that I'm reporting this because I'm not. This is just my hunch. My hunch is that if Pete DeBoer had his chance to run things completely without contracts making jobs because contracts make jobs, I think Ryan Suter would be scratched from time to time. Mm-hmm. I really believe that. I don't think... I, I Ryan Suter, as I know, is beloved by management. But from a coaching perspective, I don't get the feeling, and from Pete DeBoer's body language about him, like I don't get the feeling that Ryan Suter is one of his favorite sons. I, I get it's more of a this is a management and a Pete DeBoer's boss type deal. So like I and somebody has to when you have a guy like that who management loves and you kind of have to play by the nature of the contract, that's the coach's hands are kind of tied. So now Pete DeBoer obviously will never confirm or deny any of this obviously it's his job and jim nill's job to be on the same page but i really think this comes down to if you had this this comes to management to me of being a little bit more outside the box thinking on nills lundquist and finding a way on this and for everything jim nill has done right for this organization and we've raved about what he's done this is an area where there's still a weakness with the stars of not being willing to open their minds on with some young players and alternative ideas to get them in yeah. and, and things along those lines. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Yeah, the reason I use the term patience, Sean, is because, you know, the Lundquist situation, and then I look at Ty DeLandria, and I agree. You know, 
horrible mistake last night yeah. and will be scratched. I agree with you. Um, but I also look at him as a pretty high number one draft pick. And, yeah. you know, he's entering his restricted, you know, years on his contract and everything. I think a decision needs to be made with how tight they are against the cap. And that would be, I don't want to say tough to lose him, but at the same time, it just wouldn't be a panned out first round pick. Yeah. Yeah, so, I agree. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's, 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 it's like you, the whole, the, the thing about this, this organization and it's, they've done a lot, right? They've got a lot going in the right way. And there's just the occasional thing that they kind of set up their own roadblock to kind of jump over. And that's, that's kind of what this is. And it's like, like we, we talked a couple weeks back, right. About, I'm a big believer that they should have scratched Joel Hanley. Um, a couple, not scratched, waived Joel Hanley a couple weeks back. They wouldn't have looked because they wouldn't have lost him on waivers in my view. And that's the type of thing that I just don't see this organization doing where it's, I don't think it will stop them from in theory winning a Stanley cup someday, but it's the thing that a Vegas would have done. Right, you don't have to be just like Vegas. You can find the happy medium, but there are things teams like things that a team like Vegas will do, things that teams like Tampa will do that Dallas simply won't do when it comes to stuff like that. Yep, absolutely. Okay, we've talked about stars and Andre Vasilevsky after the game, and mm-hmm. we need to put this podcast back on track with a uh, little, let's just say, male humor. And uh, listen to how Vasilevsky is distracted and cannot uh, finish and completely forgets the question. What's on your mind in the last 48 hours from the end of the game on Saturday to the start of this one? Uh, yeah, I mean, obviously it wasn't great feeling uh, last game, but... Um... <laughs> Uh, what was the question? <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, uh, turn, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I just, um, <laughs> sorry. Uh, yeah, I mean, I was just, uh, you know, it's good when the reporters are laughing along with Vasilevsky. Yeah. So, I, I just, yeah. I thought, I thought it was really cute. And, you know, after, after a game like that, that, <laughs> Here's a uh, flatulent noise in the background, you know, right next yeah. to the room. And so my question yeah. is for our insider, Sean Shapiro, who has been in, God, thousands mm-hmm. of locker rooms. Is this a common occurrence? I mean, what kind of craziness <laughs> have you seen over the years that, you know, players either laughing or making fun of each other or pranking each other or flatulence or, you know, is this is this uh, pretty common? Yeah, um, the most common thing that's kind of <laughs> always breaks a player and gets them kind of that makes it harder to get uh, keep the conversation going is that you'll be interviewing a guy, you'll be talking to a guy, and someone will just another teammate will just kind of either slightly off screen or nearby or whatever will just kind of just be staring at them, just like like <laughs> intentionally, right? And it's always uh. It's a very uh, it's all it always ends up breaking the player and they they end up they end up struggling with that. It's uh, I've I've heard I've heard I've heard the occasional flatulence in the locker room. There, there's the uh, the 
the lowering the hockey stick into the scrum like a boom mic. That's a classic. Um, the let's see, I'm trying to think. If there's any other good ones here? Um, the there was a good one Saturday night on After Hours on Hockey Night in Canada where Michael Backlund was being interviewed, and um, and they kind of lost it because over in the corner and they pan the cameras over is uh, Nikita Zadorov just sitting there, you know, in yes. this in this pinstripe suit, just like staring him down, like you said, the stare down, and they all lost it. And yeah, I, you know that that to me, yeah. I love humor inside the locker room. I mean, we're. I understand people got to get the stories and you have a job to do, Sean, and everything. But at the end of the day, it's a treehouse. It's camaraderie. Well, it's an, it's an entertainment business and we want to be entertained. Right. So that's like that. That's sometimes I think we, sometimes we take ourselves way too seriously in sports coverage. Like it's, there are serious things and that we should talk about and all of that stuff. But at the end of the day, hockey and the reason it's a business is because it's entertaining. So it should be fun. And that's and fun is fun is good. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, you're 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 absolutely right. All right, Kevin Weeks tweeted out uh, that Philip Broberg, 22 year old defenseman, he was the eighth overall pick for Edmonton in 2019, could be shopped by Edmonton. Uh, played in ten games this year, uh, hasn't really shown up on the score sheet. And my question is: is how much do you know of the player? And, you know, how often do we see like, a, hey, we'll give you our player that's not performing well in return for your player that's not performing well? Yeah. Um, I, I mean, obviously, Broberg came in with a pretty high profile um, number eight or whatever it was that he came in. I think he was considered I think he was considered one of the better skaters in that draft class when yeah. he came in, if I remember correctly. Um, just really hasn't had the has really hasn't had the, the the fit in Edmonton. Now we just talked about Nils Lundqvist before. I mean, does if maybe if maybe if you want to swap Nils Lundqvist for Philip Broberg and see maybe maybe another change of scenery is the solution. I don't know. But like that it, it's it's to me it, it's taking on another project like Nils Lundqvist. Yep. And when you're already struggling to stick the landing with the Nils Lundqvist project right now whether that's by the player or the team or whatever, I, I just, I can't see it being, I can't see it being something where you Dallas could or should be interested in this, especially in season. Now, maybe if, if Broberg's being shopped and he still hasn't been moved and in the summer, you're looking at it. Maybe we have another discussion about it then, but um, right now to me, this is another kind of, Nils Lundqvist situation. I, I did want to bring something else up, Gavin, that Absolutely. just popped in my head. Your podcast um, as much as mine. It's um, You kind of mentioned just kind of knowing the player, and uh, it just reminded me of a very... I want to share a funny story. I'm going to share it on this podcast because anyone listening to this podcast hopefully won't uh, go wrap me out to Detroit media members. But so last Wednesday, and uh, let me back up here. So everyone's kind of familiar with unfortunately it happens in hockey and it happens in all sports but sometimes you get the i call them the tv person questions where it's the the tv person the poor camera guy who's kind of been put in a position to fail who gets he's you normally cover in the nfl team the nba team and it's a slow day and the hockey team's there and they send him to go cover the hockey team and they just kind of lurk around with the camera and then there's uh 
it's the type of people who ask about uh, who only ask about playoff beards come June, come come May and June. And so I'm in Detroit last week, and I got my favorite TV person question of all time. I'm in Detroit practicing what last Wednesday. We're still waiting for the official final word that Patrick Kane has signed. We know it's happening, but we haven't gotten the official word. And we're getting ready to go downstairs to open locker room in Detroit. And uh, I had a TV guy in Detroit ask me, so what do you know about this Kane guy? <laughs> that was a real question, Gavin. A real question. What do you know about this Kane guy? Um, so I... Um, what did you say back? I said, well... I, I was kind of like flabbergasted how to respond. Sure. Like, do you really not you know, like in my head? I'm like, this is, this is, this is wild to me. How do you not know a, how have you not just Googled something and B, how do you not know who Patrick Kane is? If you're showed up to a hockey practice and you're allegedly in media. Right. So, um, I kind of, uh, I kind of stumbled over my words. I was like, well, um, just make sure when you're doing your research, you're looking up the right cane. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Can you <laughs> can you imagine in the first scrum if he says Evander? Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Oh, oh man. wow! Boy, that would have been. I mean, that would have yeah. been awful if you did do that. You just be like, yes. well, you know, played for Edmonton, gotten a little controversy, you know. Yeah. <laughs> if you yes, uh, yeah, if you threw that out, okay. Yeah. Don't look now. Yeah. What's going on in Arizona? Six, three, and one in their last ten. They've won five in a row. They're knocking on the door of top three in the Central. I'm glad we're not playing them right now. We have a long way to go, but I mean, they're knocking on the top three, and currently they're in the wild card race. I know, I know, I know. There's tons of time to go, but yeah. what a story in the sunshine. Uh, sorry, the is it what is Arizona? <laughs> I almost said the Sunshine State, which would be Florida. Um, yeah. land of the desert. Let's just call it that <laughs> sunrise sunset. Yes, um, yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, that's, I, I think the most impressive thing about Arizona to me this season, and it's not the best, um, it, it's not always the greatest indicator of, of, of where, of whether a team is good or bad or whatever, but like they are now, Two, three, four, five, six, seven. They're eighth in the league in goal differential. They're they actually the Coyotes have a better goal differential this season than the Stars. Wow. The Coyotes have a plus fourteen goal differential. The Stars are plus thirteen. Um, in the Coyotes are playing playing well this year. They've got a team that's kind of punching above its punching above its weight. Um, kind of arriving a little bit quicker probably than expected. I don't think they're a quote unquote good team yet, but I think they are the makings of a good team in the future and i do think there is a little bit of and this is going to sound really mean but it's true i think there's a bit of a home ice advantage of playing in a weird a weird ass building yeah that is super small like it's it's just like um i know that there was players on the panthers no one would ever put their name on it but i've talked to players on the panthers that when the times when they struggled with attendance really bad, other teams would show up and the Panthers would actually be quite good at home because it's weird playing in front of a pretty empty building in a weird crowd and everything like that. So I think there's something to that with the Coyotes. Um, I mean, they're, what are they? They're like, you look at their splits, right? They're eight and four at home and they're 500 team on the road. Um, 
they are but they they really at the end of the day i have a hard time seeing if they if they're in great fun story but i have a hard time right now still seeing them being in that spot at the end of the season but they're there at 24 games so i'm just wondering from a management standpoint like what is the deadline date in which you decide because i don't think they'll be big buyers but it could prevent them from being sellers with like a dumba or players like that i mean at some point because well i i I think if you're in like i if you're Arizona, like if you're still in this type of spot in 25 games from now at 50 games, just roll the dice and go for it. Just try to get in, right? Like there's something to, especially with um, like a playoff run, even in a smaller building, is a huge revenue boost for a team. Like, so I think it's, and this is a team obviously that's, and they're off, they've got their off ice battles going on right now to try and find a real a full building and everything like that. So, um, Let's see where they are in about 20 and and, and, let's see what they do over the next 24 games and see where they are then. But if you're in this spot in the next 24 games, you go for it and you roll the dice and see what happens. Yeah, I think that's kind of the case. I mean, because the other thing about it is the really weird thing about the Western Conference here. This is the weird thing about the West. Um, And you tell me if I'm wrong on this, Gavin. It's and I, I know I'm. Someone's gonna say no that you can't be right on that or whatever. But you you can't sleep on anyone. The wild cards feel like they don't matter this year, right? Like and 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 I hate to say it this way because like it's it's professional athletes and hey anything can happen and everything like that. But like you look at the West and there's the top three in the Central: Colorado, Dallas, and Winnipeg, and the top three in the Pacific: Vegas, Vancouver, and L.A. And you're like, I. No one's beating those teams. Yeah. Like, like you're not, no one's beating those teams. East is different, right? The East is very deep right now. Even with how Boston's been, even with how Boston and the Rangers have been humming along, I'm like, I, I could see it with Washington. I could see it with the Islanders. I could see it with Pittsburgh. And those yeah. guys, those teams are out of the playoff spot right now. The West just is like, it just feels like there's such a large drop off after, um, in the Central that feels like there's, to me in the central there's there's two tiers in the central Dallas and Colorado there's two tiers in both the central and the pacific in in, in the central it's Colorado and Dallas and then Winnipeg and then everyone else in the pacific it's Vegas and then Vancouver and LA and then everyone else it just, it just feels like such a big i struggle to see any team if you had given me if you gave me those six in the top 3 right now versus the field to win a playoff series I don't. I don't think I would take the field. It's just I don't. I just don't see it. It's, there's just too many flaws in those teams. It's it's an interesting year just because the West is the depth in the West is not good this year. Obviously, Edmonton's struggles have contributed to that. But um, I mean, the Coyotes are capitalizing. They can get in. Great because it's time for them to. It's not. It's not the spot where they're bad enough to be a lottery team. So it's not like they were going to get Macklin Celebrini. So you might as well try to get some playoff experience there. I'd love to see Logan Cooley. I'd love to see Sean Dersey. I'd love to see some of those guys get an actual playoff get playoff yeah. series, even if it's a sweep against them. Or maybe they win. Who knows? I'd, I'd love to see that as they kind of build that team. And if you're knocking on the door of the playoffs, I think it's tough when you're trying to build a fan base to become sellers. Because 
Oh I, yeah, it's yeah. that that would that would look also very bad. Yes, um, especially when you're trying to get of, a new stadium. Yes, when you're trying to get a building, right? <laughs> yeah. <So. laughs> All right, and then in Winnipeg, uh, Nino Nina Ryder uh, yesterday signs a three-year, twelve million dollar contract with the Jets. Uh, good to see that he found a home. Seemed as though the players were happy that he's sticking around for three years. And it is interesting because Winnipeg, I mean, I think in the off season, we were wondering, you know, is Winnipeg going to sell a lot? And they're actually locking up some players and uh, Nita Ryder has had a good season with them so far. Yeah. I mean, Winnipeg is the, right. They, they're like the, They're like the old guys shooting threes at the basketball. Like, <laughs> like you go to like to the Y and you play basketball, and like they're the old guys shooting threes. Who you're like, I don't know how they're still competitive or how they're still here. Yeah, in this division, but they're going to still be there for the next twenty years, knocking down open threes in the corner. That's what the Winnipeg Jets are. They just keep keeping keep locking players up that will kind of keep them in that status quo. I don't think they'll ever win the Central. But I don't think they'll ever drop below fourth. It's like they've just kind of <laughs> stuck into this nice yeah. little spot. And that's kind of what the the Nita Rider signing just keeps thing going like that. And that's nothing against Nito Nita Rider. It's just the that's the reality of how I look at this Jets team right now. <laughs> yeah. I mean, when you got Connor Hellebuck, yeah. you know, that's uh that's pretty amazing. Okay, and finally, uh later on this week, we're scheduled to have Frank Provenzano, the former assistant GM of the Dallas Stars on to tell some funny stories and go pull back the curtain as far as GMs are concerned. Did you ever work with Frank? I have uh I think he was out of I've I've interacted with him quite yeah. a bit. I don't I don't he was he had he had been done in and in, in the he had he was no longer in the AGM role with Dallas at right. the time that I uh but he's good dude. Yeah, um great person smart guy. Yeah. Yeah. Smart guy. It's one um, of those things where it's not a household name, but ladies and gentlemen, you're going to have to listen to that podcast because there are going to be some amazing stories. We'll talk about Jack Campbell being drafted. Um, you know, we'll talk about the Madonna years. There's just a lot of stuff that will. Uh, let me let, let me give you let me give you some homework for that one. Okay, oh can I do God, that? You I like doing this. Give me homework. Um, I believe I, I just double double check before you have Frank on the air to make sure that this is still the case. But I okay. believe his wife um, is still the. Uh, Realtor is still the, the stars is still the start the realtor for the stars yes and uh i i would imagine she has some great stories about uh <laughs> dealing with multi-million dollar home purchases yes. and things along those lines yes. so um it's uh obviously it's you're having frank on but his 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 wife has a fascinating job of dealing with of helping professional athletes relocate that i think would be an interesting topic yeah, line to no, go down absolutely Absolutely. My friend, it's the holidays. Great time to buy We Win here, wouldn't you say? I, I think so. I and, think it's and a great time. By the way, Stephen, Stephen Reserve <laughs> took full credit for the book. I couldn't believe it. He was just trashing you the whole time he was on. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he was a great interview, by the way. Yeah. Gave us some great intel on Bixel. Uh, talked about Stankoven, Bork, and uh, talked about a couple other guys. It was uh, It was a really, really good interview. Really gave us the lowdown on what's happening uh, with the Texas Stars, so uh, that was uh, that was pretty cool. But the name of the book is called "We Win Here," and Stephen teamed up with Sean and some great stories. A forward by longtime star and Texas star Curtis McKenzie, who's making a massive name for himself uh, down in Central Texas, uh, staying with the club. 
captain. Oh, and by the way, he's on the same line as Logan Stankoven and Maverick Bork, uh, which are in the top uh, four in scoring. I believe they're two and three currently. So uh, pretty cool uh, stories. We win here. Get it now on Amazon. You'll notice that it has tons of stars next to it, getting great reviews. How did I do, sir? You did great, man. Okay. You did great. All right. Enjoy <laughs> the enjoy the tilt tonight. Uh, uh, the uh, Ducks are an interesting team, uh, catching some mm-hmm. teams by surprise. So, uh, you know, go Quacks. I want them to beat the Avs tonight, and uh, Sean will be uh, covering that. And follow his Substack, uh, so you can follow Sean in numerous ways. His Twitter at Sean Shapiro mm-hmm. and uh, at Shapshots. And, uh, uh, God, he's everywhere. D Magazine, I'm just trying to think (laughs) of all the places you are. You're a beast, my friend. Really enjoyed this podcast today, and we will talk to you soon. Sounds good. It's always fun, Gavin, and uh, thank you for uh, helping us build this thing. This has been really fun to keep building this. Yeah, absolutely. So we've been doing these things called one-timers where interview some really cool people, and uh, they're quick hitters, and I love doing it and getting inside the hockey world and and learning about their backgrounds and then how they rose to prominence. So we have more of those to come. Like I said, Frank Provenzano will take us behind the curtain of what it's like in the GM meetings and so forth. That'll happen later this week. So for Sean Shapiro, I'm Gavin Spittle. Have a great day, everyone. Thanks once and once again for supporting Spits and Suds. Have a great day.